Hello, I am Jennifer Nassor. I'm the former chair of the Massachusetts Republican Party. I'm an attorney at Rubin and Rudman. I am COO of Reflect Us, a nationwide nonpartisan female organization. Oh, yes. And I am a Republican. You are. Mm. I know. Everyone has a flaw. You know, some days it's kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm Jesse Mermel. I'm a former selectman in the town of Brookline, although now it's been changed to the uh, select board, and I have to get used to saying that. Um, I was Governor Patrick's communications director. I'm a member of the Democratic State Committee, and I used to run external affairs at Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts, and I am a Democrat. Mm, you know, usually I feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> you can send me a care package. <laughs> So today, uh, we wanted to expand on a conversation we've touched on a little bit over our past two episodes. Also, we should say, hi, Mom. Yes, hi, Mom. There are only two listeners at this point, we're convinced. but yeah, Maybe we have five. Maybe they got, like, some of their friends. I listen. think my dad's listening now, too. <laughs> um, but we've, we've been talking a little bit about running this year in what people are thinking of as the year of the woman 2.0 after 1992, and we thought we might do uh, a deeper dive. So we scrolled through our Rolodexes, because I'm an old person and I have a Rolodex, um, and came up with two really talented women who put their hat in the ring this year and uh, and came up short, but I think ran strong, impressive campaigns, and we wanted to talk to them about that experience. Yes, because I think it's a really, number one, running for office, have to say, give you both a ton of credit for doing that. Um, and number two, I think it is a different experience that women have than what men have from yeah. what I've seen. So should we say who we have here? I think we should. We should stop holding this back. I know. Surprise. This suspense. <laughs> um, so we're uh, very pleased to be joined by Girly Adrian, who ran for state representative in Everett. Yes. The 24th? 28th. 28th. Middlesex. Middlesex. Excellent. Um, and also ran in 2016. So you have uh, an interesting perspective on what it's been like in multiple years. And Gurley is a Democrat. Yes. Yes. And on the Republican side, I am so happy to have my friend Beth Lindstrom here today. Beth Lindstrom ran for uh, U.S. Senate. She had two male opponents. Um, Beth is was the first female executive director of the Massachusetts Republican Party. She ran the Treasury, state treasury, um, back in the nineties under it was jo- lottery. Oh, lottery. Sorry, <laughs> first I, woman you know, lottery I know, I know okay. it was lottery. I'm thinking treasury, <laughs> lottery. Yeah, yeah, they live together. They live. They live together. They do. Um, uh, with Joe Malone and Bill Weld and all those th- guys that were there in the nineties, and then it was um, the head of consumer affairs under Mitt Romney. And then she's a small business owner and a mom of three awesome boys that she, that her and her husband Ray raised to be incredible young men. Um, so I give her a lot of credit for that because I'm in the throes of it <laughs> you know, with girls. Um, and so Beth uh, decided to take the plunge and run for U.S. Senate. It's awesome. Yeah. And um. here we are. So, ladies, tell us a little bit about your campaigns. I mean, we'll get more specific and ask questions later, but you're now, what, a month or so? Today, month today. Wow. Uh, out from Election Day. And so you have a, a little bit of perspective, but, you know, tell us about your races. Why don't you go first? Yeah. Um, so this is Gurley. Uh, 
you know, I, I talk about the campaign being inspiring, especially for Everett. Um, we, we've never had a real uh, a woman or a person of color run for state representative, and I saw the movement that we were able to create for my campaign. And so, and we still have that movement and that spark coming from our community. So it's been uh, a month out. It's been, it's, it's, for me personally, it was sad because I felt like it disappointed a lot of people, but for a lot of people, it was an exciting moment to see that we came so close. And Beth? So for a U.S. Senate campaign, um, it was a great experience uh, a month out now. Um, I haven't dissected every single city in town and to see where you won and where you lost. But um, I think, you know, taking it back, just as speaking of running as a woman, to be able to step forward, to cross that line, to say yes, I think is a big deal. And if we're talking specifically about how women think about running for office, I think that was one of the hardest things. Because when uh, people had posed to me to run, my thought process was, wait a minute, I don't know everything. Wait a minute, I need to be perfect. Wait, I don't know. You know, and I think there's a really big difference. I should know you have four <laughs> nodding heads yeah. around the table right now. Right? Yeah. So just to start there as 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 to take this on, especially as a US Senate candidate, and I've been around, as Jen said, for thirty years being the first woman director of the party. So I've seen a lot. Ran Scott Brown's first race, um, helped Governor Romney. So I, I've seen a lot. But I've never been a candidate. And so it does take a lot to step forward. And now that I did, and I think we should ask ourselves if it was the year of the woman. How <laughs> what happened to me? <laughs> I ask that myself all yeah. the time. <laughs> Wait a minute. But, uh, but we can dissect that in, in, you know, for the political um, you know, assessment of it all. And I think that there's some other things going on. Um, but I think that I believe that it was time for me to run as a person at my age as now being in that position to do so. So I'm glad I did. No regrets. Yep. Um, I, would I have done some things differently? Absolutely. So you said that people asked you to run. Had you thought about running? I will say that through the years. For something um, at least. Maybe not U.S. Yeah, Senate. But. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just because of uh, being the first woman lottery director, being on Governor Romney's cabinet, I actually uh, have done four startup companies, being a small business owner. It is. I had a right mix of being able to say, here's what I offer that could be different from what um, the Democrats have today. So I think that was just, it, and truly, when, when I say to people who said, you know, I w wish I could have voted for you in the general, I say, well, truly, I was there to offer a choice mm -hmm. because it, it, I was different. There were differences between myself yeah. and our current U.S. Senator. Gurley, did someone have to ask you? No. I've always wanted to run. I love it. Since I was 10 years old. Wow. And what? Fun. The motive is different. Yeah, I love it. What, what was in you? What made you say from a little girl, that's what I want to do. You know, I talk about my mother. Mm -hmm. My mother came from Haiti um, in the 19, uh, 1980s, and she always talked about the importance of voting as, you know, a person who come here and has the right to vote. And she would take me to the ballot. And when I was around 9, 10 years old, she would always talk about uh, the mayor and how he wasn't doing his job. And I said, one day, Mom, you know, I'm going to be that person who's going to fix every single problem that you and a lot of families and ever are going through, and I'm going to run for office. I love it. It's yeah, so interesting because so many women, I find, run for office from that caretaker place, right? We might disagree on what we think the right policies are to accomplish that, but I feel like so many people are motivated by the desire to care for neighbors and communities and yeah I think yeah. that resonates with a lot of what folks. It, what I think is really kind of amazing too is you know not not to point out the generational difference um, but I mean girly as, <laughs> as someone you're it's a small gap yeah small gap you're a millennial and so I mean I think it's kind of interesting that 
you know, so normal statistics show that women need to be asked yep. 10 times to run for office before they actually take the plunge and do exactly what Beth said. We overthink the everything from is my family going to be okay if I do this? What are going to be the implications? Are my friends going to be accepting of this? Am I good enough? Am I perfect enough? Can I? Am I smart enough? Yeah. Am I, I can't run for dog catcher enough? unless I have a PhD in veterinary <laughs> science. Right. Yeah. Like I, mean, I, I need to do more before yeah. I'm able to run. And and I wonder a little bit because you know all of us are a little bit like outside of the well, Jesse, you're close, but outside of the millennial group. But I'm wondering if a little bit of it is. Being your age, is there less of, of that concern that we all have as women who grew up in a society where we were told what the societal norms are supposed to be? And maybe, you know, that's different for your generation. What do you think? Yeah, I think, like, you know, when I think about me, um, and even now when I'm trying to convince people to run, um, they tell me that. They say, I have my, my children, I have my husband, or, um, you know, I, I don't really have a political science background or anything like that. And I'm like, well, you know, forget all that. If you care, if you can knock on doors and talk to people, you can do it. And I think for me, I think I've been always been breaking barriers and always feeling like you can't tell me no. And I don't know if that has to do with being a millennial or how I grew up, but I was saying, like, I looked at the candidates and I looked at all the people who are running for office in Everett and, and most of them don't have bachelor degrees. Most of them don't have experience like I have and they get to run and win. Why can't I do it? Can I can yeah. I jump in on that? I think, uh, and that's great to hear. That really is great to hear. I think from my generation where I have broken barriers, I've hit those, you know, smashed the glass ceiling, if you will, uh, you know, in my own way, being a women first, but having sat executive teams of all men, having do that, having been there, but always while doing that, thinking like, okay, this is new territory. So it is kind of, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? Mm -hmm. Have I? Do I have the right skill set? And this is what we struggle with getting women on boards of companies. And 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 I think so. That is my generation of being able to. Now, we have um, gone to college with males, and so now, but that wasn't always the case either. So your generation has had that freedom to say, wait a minute, the sky's the limit, you know? We've always been like, we've got to try to reach that sky. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, one of the things that I always noticed was I was always, and still a lot of times, only the, the only woman in the room in politics. And, you know, sitting on boards for a long time, maybe the only woman or one of a handful, definitely the youngest woman. And so, you know, you do, I think it's hard to get out of that mindset of, can I do this? Because if all the expectations are on me as that one woman, then, then you know, gosh, the whole world is watching. As opposed to, you know, and I hope it's a generational thing, because that would be awesome if coming up the pike are all these new leaders who say, I, it doesn't even matter. And there are many more in the room. Um, so I give you a lot of credit for waking up and doing that. And I hope that that is the way of things to come. Yeah. And quite frankly, what's the point of everyone, you know, our generation and above breaking those glass ceilings if it wasn't to make it easier for Absolutely. people coming up behind? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. that would be such a waste of well because now women on and boards effort. and women getting involved yeah. is a norm versus a you know um, north star absolutely to, yeah. so beth i'm going to ask you um i'm going to start with you but so looking at your you know you 
clearly, I know you and I think you're phenomenal and I think you would be a great candidate just because you're an awesome person. But if you look at you on paper, Mm -hmm. if you go on your LinkedIn and you see your history with in government, outside of government, being Scott Brown's campaign manager, um, you know, all the things that you've done, the boards that you've served on, you were the face and the voice for Governor Baker's PAC when he ran in 2014. So your face was all over TV, not like people wouldn't know who you were. What do you think happened? Like, why do you think in 2018, running against two men in a Republican mm-hmm. primary? Well, my motive for running was because, as I said, giving voters a choice and, and having a clear difference of opinion with our current U.S. senator. But getting into the primary, and I analyze this, the kind of the what ifs, but I do think that there was a self-funder in there and money matters. And and that is so disappointing as I was just having a conversation with someone saying, so someone like me who doesn't have millions and millions of dollars, does that mean I can't run? Well, I have to raise it. I tried my best, but I was up against two other gentlemen, one who was building his brand for three years years and having more right-wing talk show hosts build that brand to the uh, the base. And, and that's who comes out in primaries and comes out to a primary that Bill Galvin put on the Tuesday after Labor Day. I mean, so, and this is the thing in politics is you, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the current events are going to be. You don't know who, who else is going to be in the race. The third and the seventh congressional races were difficult because in a primary, they were very hotly contested on the Democrat side. So they were pulling those ballots that way. So, you know, you don't know when you have to make that decision a year in advance. And of course, me making it a year in advance was too late in someone's opinion. So that those are all things that are frustrating to me. So the in the what happened, I think there was the um, the successful candidate building his brand for many years and having that as a as a strategy um, early on, and then the self funder who said, you know, I'm just going to buy the race. And so I'm the woman out there working really hard, meeting people and loving it, meeting looking people in the eye and hearing their problems and their want to be a problem solver. And it just wasn't enough. And that feels sad. <laughs> Do you feel like, positive or negative, there were gender dynamics at play at your race? And Gurley, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you the same question, but um, so often we talk about gender dynamics as a negative thing. Sometimes it can be really positive. So I'm curious if you feel like you had any advantages uh, advantages? Or, or well, disadvantages. Well, no, because people would say, and some of the other candidates would say, oh, she's playing the gender card. She's playing the female card. I'm like, wait a minute, look at my resume. And I would say, don't vote for me because I'm a woman. Vote for me because I'm qualified. And let's have a t- let's talk about the issues. That was part of you know the ability to go up against Elizabeth Warren, saying, okay, take the gender issue off the table, and now we have to talk about issues. And there's no, um, you know, claiming that you know there's any other dynamic there. So, um, but I would say, you know, running as a as a female, I think there are just some advantages because I believe we are more um, collaborative. And, you know, we would try to make coalitions and, and, you know, really connecting with people. I've heard that time and time again about my other two opponents. They're, well, they're in the room, they're out, they took a picture, they, you know, they don't really care. And I think it was the caring part, whether it's being a nurturer, because that's what we are, you know, in um, – or maybe not everybody is, but I'm sa- yeah. I'm saying this for myself. Um, so I think that there were some differences in connecting with people, but I think there was kind of like that just red meat out there this time, and we can not talk about it, or we can talk about it, but I think it has to oh, do I with our divided. Yeah. So, but anyway, go ahead, Carly, and your answer. Um, so, it, 
the advantage of being a woman or yeah and just your experience running and I, I'm fascinated to hear if you experienced any differences as a candidate between 2016 and 2018 yeah I mean I think uh, when I first ran in 2016 a lot of people was like who's this 26 year old uh, <laughs> who's this person um, even though I grew up in Everett it's my hometown a lot of people felt like I was still an outsider and we all know why um, and I think for me it was trying to prove myself continuously proving myself well, and Everett has changed a whole heck of a lot it has yeah and yeah. do you feel like that was part of why some people maybe saw you as an outsider yeah yeah not I a think. part of the old establishment exactly and even what, the various definitions of that yeah <laughs> <laughs> even though I'd be like I grew up here this right. is the house I grew up in do you want the and it was funny because people would actually look up the record of see if when my mom actually bought and my dad bought the house because they didn't believe me and I was like, like here's my kindergarten report card <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Uh, but the change, I think, was more of people actually started to believe in who I was. Mm. They saw my qualifications. They saw what I've done. You know, I am 29 years old, but they saw that I did a lot. And they were like, you know what? This person's actually smart. She could actually do this job. And when it came to the whole gender piece, you know, I was running against, for me, it, was, it wasn't just the establishment. It was everybody saw it as I girly was running against a boys club. And we didn't want to say it out loud, but she was, right? Mm-hmm. I'm running against the mayor. I'm running against the mayor's nephew, who's the counselor, who was the campaign manager for the current state rep running against the state rep, running against the whole school committee who decided to endorse the whole city council. It was just a And you constant. still came that close. And I still came that close. So I think it was like, wow, like this person could do this. Um, and I, I, I don't know if it was the... I, I remember when I was knocking on doors days before the election day and a woman told me, you know what, girly, we've never had a woman state rep. We've never had a woman mayor. We never had a woman state senator. We have one woman on city council. Can we at least have one more seat, right? And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, but she said, honestly, your, qualifi- your qualifications are amazing. Um, and I, I think I go back and I think about, like, I am so super proud of what this campaign did. I don't care what anyone says. I think we, for what we were going against, I think we did a lot. And especially to see more women and people of color come out to vote, that was exciting of the year of the woman. Um, I do think running against the whole establishment by myself was tough. And mm. it was, well, you know, and I agree. Let me jump in on that. that. I felt that same way. I was doing it on my own. Yeah. Wasn't looking for, you know, not asking for any help, knowing that this is, you know, I got to do this on my own. And I feel very, very proud yeah. of that. Yes. You know, with help uh, from friends. <laughs> but, I'm, but I think, no, it's true. It's like, you know, standing up there and saying, okay, we're not asking for help. We're not looking. Yeah. I mean, I was endorsed by, you know, National Women's Packs, but, you know, that was good because they believe, wow, we have actually a good candidate coming out of Massachusetts. So there was some help there. But, you know, from on the ground game and just really working it and creating your own brand yeah. and being your own person, yeah. um, I felt, you know, we did that and that's what we had to had to do. So do you think that the, you know, I mean, this is this is consistently a thing that I think us that work in the woman space um, feel and see and hear a lot. But when you're out there as a candidate, do you feel the old boys network at work? Do you feel that there are people who want to be, I mean, and, I, and I'll say, one of my one of my friends, um, who may or may not listen to this, um, said to <laughs> Only me... Only if your mom calls them yeah, and exactly. takes them off. <laughs> said, said to me, you know, what can I what can I tell you? I like, you know, old, white, wealthy men. <laughs> and I was like, I hate you. By the way, I hate, I still Do they know they said you. that out loud? <laughs> I, I know, and, and it said it to me, no less, right? And so, you know, I think that they're... Wow. 
there is still a contingency, and these aren't these aren't old men. These are you know men that that know better, right? So, what do you feel though, as a candidate, that we don't see? Do you do you feel it? Is it palpable, or is it that everyone says, you know, we love you and you're great, and then they go to the ballot box and there's just something else that happens? Well, I'll tell you a quick story. I remember one day um, I was door knocking and a middle-aged older woman came to the door and she knew who I was. She's like, girl, I know who you are. I've seen you in the newspaper every week. I read about you. Great qualifications. I said, well, are you going to vote for me? She's like, hold on. She go gets her husband. Her <laughs> husband comes out and says, girly, I know who you are, but we're not going to vote for you. <gasps> and did he say why? <laughs> <laughs> and he was speaking for both of them. And he was speaking for both of them. And and he did. He did. And he said, honestly, girly, Joe, my opponent, um, is our friend, and we're going to vote for him. And I was so shocked that, you know, she did that. And I was like, wow. And it wasn't the only time. Yeah. There was plenty mm. of times after that, and I saw that. And so it was... You know, we're still in that time where, and the person, you know, the woman knew who I was, mm-hmm. knew my story, knew my qualifications, but her husband still spoke for her. And I was like, wow, you know, we're still there, you know. And I thought, and I think in Everett, if, you know, um, I know I saw some of your signs in Everett. So it, it's very, I don't want to say old school, but it still has that mentality where my husband makes a decision wow. for both of us. And I th- and I saw that reality, and I was still trying to go against that. There's a lot of people that moved into Everett who are new, who are minorities, who are millennials. But at the end of the day, when we look at the traditional voters who are still coming out, it was still those people, and it was tough. So I was going against that. You know, in my case, I'm not quite sure it was that old boys network. because I really just think it was the base of, you know, Second Amendment, kind of just real strong, maybe, you know, pro-life. I'm not quite sure. I just feel that was because I was not, uh, you know, I'm a support Roe versus Wade. But anyway, but I sat in uh, the top of the clubs and with all men around the table talking about my campaign felt pretty comfortable, somewhat nervous, but, you know, with some of these uh, groups were independents, not just all Republicans. I really never felt the old boys network because I think they looked at my resume and they said, you know what, you're qualified and we're really excited to have a woman because they were not fans of Elizabeth Warren. So I, that's kind of how, that was my experience. I really didn't feel like um, that was what kept me out. I, 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 I think it truly was more of that base that got called out through, you know, conservative radio. So can we address the orange elephant in the room? So you both had to run in the year of Donald Trump, right? <laughs> and, and girl, you might have had the easier path here because you're running in a Democratic primary, you know, talking about Donald Trump. Beth, I'm fascinated by how you would attempt to navigate a Republican primary in Massachusetts with mostly more conservative, certainly than a general election, voters coming out, some really conservative opponents, Mm -hmm. some of whom are, you know, joined at the hip with Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. and let's just say not necessarily what feels like from the outside a favorable environment for more moderate women in the Republican Party right now. Well, in that... How was that? (laughs) Well, uh, um... Would you like to lie down? We can get you a couch. Yeah, exactly. Or a shot of vodka. I I will say, though, that um, we... We did it well, I thought, because I would say uh, when talking about – because everyone would say, where are you on Donald Trump? Here's where I am. 
Um, you know, I'll agree with him when it's right for Massachusetts. I'll disagree when it's not. I'll be that independent mind, always respect the office of the president. But, uh, you know, I have already, you know, early on I went against something that he said. So I was proven in the very beginning that I could have an independent mind, which I thought people in Massachusetts would want. So I would say I do agree on some policy, but I disagree on the three T's, tone, temperament, and Twitter. <laughs> and that's what I said the whole time, and that's what I believe. And so I would get that person nodding their heads. Even some of the most conservatives would be like, uh, yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. That's how I positioned myself. So I could agree. I could disagree because that's how you have to be to be elected in Massachusetts. But that's how I felt. Yeah. I mean, within we did a soft launch a, a, a year ago, end of August. And um, right after I did a, a launch, within 10 minutes, I denounced his um, comments on Charlottesville. And said at times like these, when the country needs to look to a leader, I was disappointed in his words um, because they should he a leader should calm the tides, and he didn't do that. Uh, understatement of the year, yes. So, so again, for me as a candidate, as a Republican woman candidate, which is hard enough in Massachusetts, it was it was a constant trying to say, look, it, I have an independent mind. Um, I am a Republican. I'm a fiscal conservative, and so those those are the policies that I will agree with. But I just don't agree on a lot of the behavior. I don't condone it. And did you feel like, particularly among folks who, you know, may have ultimately wound up with deal in the Senate race or lively in the gubernatorial race, were they were they open to that conversation or did you feel like it was just a, a closed door from the get-go? And maybe that would be because of policies or because of gender. No, I, I think there were a lot of people open to that message. I just didn't have the money uh, to get out in front of them for them to know who I was. I do. And, and like I said, you know, Jeff Deal has built his brand for, you know, three years with more conservative talk show hosts. And that, I find, was probably the toughest thing to go mm. up against. But do you think, I guess, more specifically in a Republican primary? So, I mean, in a general, right, Massachusetts, 55 percent of the electorate are unenrolled voters, right? So a little bit more broad minded than just in a primary, whereas in the Republican primary with 10.6 percent Republicans, do you think that do you think it's possible for, and, and I'm interested in what Gurley has to say about the people that she met and the comments that she received, um, because I wonder in our primaries, even though it's Massachusetts, is there space for moderates and then add on it a moderate woman? Because if you're, if you're being primaried and there's someone to the right of you who's a man, how... I I wonder how that all plays in, regardless of branding or money or anything else. Um, because I still do see, even though we're progressive Massachusetts and we're filled with lots of very She did, she well, did air quotes around yeah. progressive. <laughs> progressive. Um, and even though we're filled with very educated people and we have less than 3% unemployment, and it would all lead you to believe that people here in Massachusetts understand the need for every level of office to have an even playing field, right? Not under 20% in Congress of women, not 26% of the legislature being women, but actually even. Um, and so I wonder, like, where where is the world for the moderate and more specifically the moderate woman? Do you want to go first or? Yeah, I mean, okay. I'll just say this. So Everett voted 55% for Donald Trump. And, you know, because I am Haitian-American, right? Uh, <laughs> um, I think the question never came up because 
you know, I am a Democrat and most people would think I'm liberal and um, the assumption. But I think the conversation around Donald Trump was a tiptoe because, you know, Everett loves Trump and you would have Democrats still to this day love Trump. I cannot be honest. I think some of my family members voted for Trump. Wow. And it was a tough conversation to have with people. Makes but Thanksgiving fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, you know, I do have a business background. Right? I'm a small business owner. I went to Bentley. I'm doing my MBA now. And so I, I thought more people would put me towards that, but they didn't. And so the, it never really came up on the doors. I think it came up two times uh, with two Hispanics. And they asked me, are you going to stand against Trump? And I said, of course. But it didn't come up, but I was nervous because Everett loves Trump, and there's still a lot of our council members who post about their love for Trump, and and I was like, oh man, am I going to lose votes because of my stance and how I feel? But well, I think yeah, I think you're right, and I and I ran into that with, um, like I said, there are people who were just very pro-Trump, especially in a primary, and that that to me is the sad thing because how does a moderate woman ever get through? A Republican primary. Right. Yeah. So I guess my last question is, and Jesse, and then I'll punt it to you, is just, you know, for the two of you, how do we change the electoral, the electoral culture, right, the voting culture? Because Republican and Democrat, right, difference in age groups, difference in where you live and your backgrounds, how does this change? Well, I would say just quickly because a, a friend of mine um, gave me the book, this uh, Centrist Manifesto, right? And I've read that, so it's top of mind. And it is talking about uh, an election uh, structure almost like California has. So um, that could be interesting because then let's take that off the table. Let's put everybody together and the top vote-getters, and let's see what happens. And especially with the 55% or whatever percent independents in Massachusetts, that could be, that could be quite interesting. Because at least being a candidate, I know with Democrats, independents, there was a lot, a lot of different beliefs, pro-Trump, negative Trump, just all in between. So I think we just need more candidates running. I know in Everett, in Massachusetts, in Massachusetts right? We just saw Choices, the options. Exactly. Yeah. And we got to see so many people came out. In my primary, it was nearly about 5,000 people. The last primary had 2,800 people. Wow. So for it to That's jump that right. much, people right. felt like, you know what? We actually yeah. have a real choice. So I just think Republicans, yeah. Democrats, unenrolled, independent, all of them. Well, everybody. Well, let me say, everybody running for U.S. Senate run. is kind of a big decision. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, keep on going. <laughs> so that's, that's the perfect segue for how we want to close this. So you guys ran, you lost, and you're sitting here a month later, still standing, laughing about it. What I think people who want to run for office get so scared of the idea of losing, right? It is a giant public job interview, and you might get rejected. You might not get the job, and you don't get it in front of your friends and your neighbors and your family. But that happened to you, and you're still here. What do you have to say? Well, I'm just going to say, jumping, because I heard you say it, and I felt the same way. It's like you feel like you let people down. And I think that's the hard feeling. Even though you know in your your brain you didn't, you did your best self, you tried, but it still feels that way. So, but I, I mean, also if we could get over you that. said you're proud. <laughs> oh, very you much so. Said yeah. You're proud. Yeah. So, no, go ahead. I want to hog up the time. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I think, I think you, you, you run. Or you, you, you do as you wish. You know, you don't want to get you down. I think this campaign, people think I should, I'm the future. They think I should run for mayor, right? Like, who would have thought that this doing this would have done that? And, you know, honestly, we talk about it. That was my dream when I was 10. 
Right. So it's going full circle. But. So you're working toward it, and I think that's a good message yeah. too. If you have this, you know, put yourself forward. You have to yeah. put yourself out there, and that's what I, you know, I did. It it is hard though to think about. Okay, when is the next time? Because if you look at a primary in Massachusetts from a moderate woman, you know, is a business decision, and that's why I ran on this this case. This was about me saying this has the fire in the belly over this sitting senator. So, you know, is it just to run to run, or is it to run because of you know the opportunity and it, to me that was the business decision because yeah. I do think and like I think that. we know there's value in losing and mm-hmm. losing well yeah right and well, having your reputations because yeah. both of you have outstanding reputations you're liked I think you know holding yourself up high and being classy and smart and well-rounded serves you well no matter what you do so thank you both of you for running thank for you. your service and, and for being for spending here. a half hour with us beth and Gurley, thank you so thank much you. uh i'm jesse mermel i'm a democrat and i'm jennifer nassor a republican and uh moms we'll see you in two weeks <laughs>